There's a story about a British newspaper that once wrote an opinion piece. This was almost a century ago that asked the question, what is wrong with the world? So you, if you've ever asked that question today, you know that this is a question that has been asked many, many, many times before. And in response to that opinion piece, the famous Christian writer G.K. Chesterton wrote his own response and said simply this, Dear Sir, I am yours, G.K. Chesterton. If Paul has spent Romans 1 through 6 pointing out the problem in general with the world, with both Gentiles and Jews, and the solution for the world in Christ, in Romans chapter 7, he gets personal. He asks what the problem is with him and whether Jesus is in fact the solution for Paul, the apostle. Now, I might have been a little hard on the law last week. Um, I did talk a little bit about it as if it was an abusive husband that we wanted to be divorced from. And once that husband dies, we could be married to the new spouse who is Jesus, who is the Christ, who has a light and easy yoke, who comes to give us rest. And Paul might well be thinking the same thing as he gets to the middle of Romans chapter 7, that perhaps he too had given the impression that somehow the law was bad. Now, it's true that the law is what causes sin to rear its ugly head in our hearts, but that isn't because God's law, his commandments, his demands of us aren't good. Verse 22 of our reading for this morning from Romans 7, Paul says that he joyfully concurs with the law. It's really the force of what he's saying there. He looks at what the commandments are of God and says, these are good. This is quite nice, actually. In fact, it reminds me of an episode of The Simpsons where the Simpson family is meeting with a lawyer and they wonder why they need a lawyer for this particular case. And the lawyer looks at them in the face and says, can you imagine what the world would be like without lawyers? And Homer gets this beautiful picture in his mind of everybody dancing in sunny fields with the sun always shining and the flowers always blooming and food in abundance. Paul says, if the law is good and everyone kept the law, that's what the world would look like. Nobody would fight with each other. There would be no more war. There would be no more violence. There would be no more theft or adultery or covetousness. Everybody would live in harmony with one another and with God. Paul says, I look now at the law as a Christian and say it is really good. The problem is not the law. The problem, Paul says, is me. Now, some of you like sports. I've never really been particularly into sports, but I know that this is a thing that people are into. There are some who even like hockey as a sport, and some even because they cling to hope against hope who believe in the Habs. They follow hockey, they agree and they disagree with the ref's calls, they scrutinize the strategy being employed by both teams. They agree that the game is good, even though the Habs may not be. Even more so, we may not be good hockey players. How many hockey fans can actually play hockey at an NHL level? Very few. We agree that the game is good. 
And yet our bodies are weak, sold into anti-hockiness. In the same way, Paul says, the law is good. But I see in my members, Paul writes, another law waging war. Our eyes lust after what is not theirs. Jesus said, I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's not the woman's problem. The solution is not, oh, put the women away, cover them up. Let's not look at the women. The problem is me and the way I look at them with my eyes. Our tongues speak what they should not. James, Jesus's brother, writes, no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. The problem is in everyone's ears that they don't listen rightly to what I really mean, or that they misunderstand my intent. The problem is my tongue. Paul, in his letter to Timothy, the very first one, had to urge men in the third chapter of his letter to raise holy hands without anger or quarreling. Now, what else could you be raising your hands to do? Biting, slapping, hitting, the very thing that men tend to do when they lose control of their emotions. So Paul says that your hands can be used for good and they can also be used for tremendous evil. And so it is that Jesus says that our members, our eyes, our tongue, our hands, even our feet could ultimately lead us to hell itself. The law is not the problem. Paul is. And that's why in the very first chapter of his letter to Timothy, Paul, the great apostle, the one we have statues of in so many of our churches, the one that so many Lutheran and Roman Catholic and Anglican churches are named for, the reason why Christianity spread from one end of the Roman Empire to the other, could write to Timothy this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. The law is not the problem, Paul writes. I am. Wretched man that I am. Not the world in the abstract. Not my neighbor not the people I don't like, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then the best good news that we've ever heard. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. The answer is not the law. The answer is not try harder. The answer is not if we put up more statues to Moses, or more monuments to the Ten Commandments, or if we write the Sermon on the Mount in all of our homes, the answer is Christ. God himself 
must be the answer. If Paul is the problem, if I, Pastor St. Ange, am the problem, then only Jesus is the answer. And in fact, the answer is hidden in Paul's very misery. Paul sees that the law is good, and that, in fact, is the good news. Paul says, I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, my members, my eyes, my ears, my hands, for I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, but the evil, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells in me. How do you understand that? Well, let's go back to hockey for a minute. Like thinking about hockey when it's July and it's super, super hot. I think that's why Canadians play hockey even into the summer. We have the hope that perhaps we can get tickets and go into an arena and cool off if only for a couple of hours. Now, when you think about hockey, there are a lot of people who merely complain about the team and about the players. In fact, there are players themselves who only complain about the problem being all of their other teammates or the problem being the ice surface or the problem being their equipment or the problem being the coach. It's the goalie's fault we lost, the center's fault we lost. It's the general manager hasn't provided us with enough good teammates. It's always someone else's fault. But then there's the player who in the news conference steps up and says, I wasn't there when the team needed me. I own that. And I'm going to work on it. The reason we lost was me. Which of those do you prefer to listen to? Which of them are being honest? The non-Christian, you see, by definition, hates the law. It's an annoyance. It's an obstacle. It keeps us from doing the kinds of fun things that we think are going to make our life better. What is wrong with coveting? What is wrong with wanting to get what is mine? I was driving up Acadie Boulevard yesterday after dropping off a whole bunch of stuff. Now, if you've ever been driving north on Acadie on a Saturday, you know that everybody is trying to get out of town. And there are only the three ramps at Côte-Ville-Tu, Bourassa, and Gouin that you can get over onto 15. And the one, I don't know why it is, but the one at Côte-Ville-Tu is the worst. That left turn lane backs up all the way to the Orthodox Church. And you usually have to wait two to three to four lights before you can get on the highway. So I duly got into lane like all the other good Montrealers heading north. And then I saw this guy who went whipping by the entire left turn lane to the very front of the line and turned right in front of the guy at the head of the line and parked himself there because he felt that more than anybody else in that line, he deserved to turn left first. Who likes that kind of person? We much prefer the person that lets us into line when we're the ones who've made the mistake. In that sense, the non-Christian hates the law. We hate the left turn lanes. We hate the speed limits. We hate everything. And they rebel against the law. And they don't want to keep it. 
What makes a Christian different is that they love the law and they learn the law even as they struggle and often fail to keep it. We love it. We look at the commandments and say, this is fantastic. This is what we ought to be doing. We read the Sermon on the Mount and we say, you go, Jesus. Preach it, brother. We know what you're trying to say. The world would be great if our yes was our yes and our no was a no. The world would be great if we didn't look at other people with lust in our eyes. The world would be great if we weren't angry with our brother all the time, but always laid aside their faults and forgave them from our heart. The difference between the Christian and the non-Christian is that one keeps the law and the other doesn't. The difference is that one loves the law and the other doesn't. The difference is here. The difference is what's going on in your heart where the Holy Spirit has made of you a new creation that no longer looks at the law as an enemy, but looks at it as God's greatest good. That's the difference. The difference is Christ who has delivered us from the law so that we no longer look at it as a threat, but look at it as the goal. This is what God wants for his people and his world. The non-Christian looks at all the problems around them and says, it's their fault. It's his fault. The Christian freely admits with G.K. Chesterton, the problem is me. To be a Christian is not just to say sin is bad and Jesus died for sin. What Paul is saying in Romans 7 is to truly be a Christian like him is to say, I am the problem, and Jesus died for me. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. We continue our worship this morning with the prayers of the church. I invite you to rise.